0: Hallelujah. Did you bring your Bibles? All right, let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your word that is true, it is quick, it is powerful. God, it does what we need to have done in our lives. You show us to us so that you might conform us to the image of your Son. Holy Spirit, have your way today in Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 13. And last week we gave you a uh, an introduction to this little series we're on in preparing ourselves for this year. In uh, the message was towels or titles, and this morning I want to take it to a different level and talk to you about peripheral compassion, and uh, when we understand this and looking at what God would want to do in our lives for our church and for the future, and how can we reach our county? Amen. Uh, th- this is our mission field. We, have, we support missionaries. I'm excited. Our missionaries from Liberia, Elwood and Yada, Gaba. they're going to be here February 28th. And uh, they have a, a whole thing of what we've done in helping them. And so we're looking forward to having them with us. Michael Turner, we send him all over the place. And uh, so we have missionaries around the world. We, we have Dr. Sharwan and Rinku in India that are ministering to the kids in the slum. But you know what? This is where we're sent. This is our mission field. This is where we live, and this is where we're supposed to help advance the kingdom of God. And so we can do that through peripheral compassion by being able to see the thing that many times other people don't see. And last week we read the whole account of Jesus in John chapter 13, but I want to begin at verse 12 if I could today. As we dive into this, actually verse 11, for he knew who would betray, betray him, therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken up his garment, he sat down again and said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Wow. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Hallelujah! And so Jesus modeled this example to his disciples and it's a pattern that we as Christians are supposed to live by. Praise the Lord. And if we get this and understand that, it means that we have dramatic impact upon our world and the gospel gets promoted. You know, we talked about having a day of visitation that we determine if we're going to be a generation who has a day of visitation. The way Jesus sent his disciples out, he called them to himself, he empowered them them from himself and then he sent them for himself to touch people in the world and this is what he said go touch them with the power of the kingdom and then tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to them so God sends us to go touch people and then through that touch we tell them that they've now experienced the kingdom of God and people's hearts are opened up by a touch of compassion amen And so when we allow God to move upon us to be those servants and to find ourselves at people's feet in their time of need, then he manifests his power through our lives and they accept the kingdom. Praise the Lord. God is just good. So think about this this morning. So that's what we're looking to do. And people say, Pastor, what's our vision for 2021? It's just this. There's a reason God is allowing us to expand our borders as a church. There's a reason God's allowing us to increase the size of our sanctuary and our classrooms and ministry that we have here. Because God is getting ready to move through us as a congregation in a great way in our community. And He does that by every person stepping up. I believe God is moving in each and every one of our hearts to have this peripheral compassion to be able to go and touch and to tell people around us about the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. So think about this. Follow with me in your outline this morning. There's something so unique in being able to see the needs in life around us and then allowing the compassion of God to move us into action to do something about them. It is the compassion of God that moved him to send his son to earth to serve the needs of humanity in providing for them what they could not provide for themselves. How many other people all around us that need help in areas that they can't help themselves? Amen. So think about it. Every act of compassion does does just that. It provides that which others cannot provide for for themselves. The fullness and the essence of the gospel is just that. It is God's unmerited provision for a lost and dying world. You know, we couldn't provide anything for ourselves. God, everything by his grace, provides everything we need to be saved and reconciled to him. He doesn't ask us to bring anything to the table except just an open heart to receive his compassion in our lives. So think about that. It is the, God's unmerited provision for a lost and dying world. It is that provision proclaimed and dispersed to those who will receive it and even to those who will reject it. Many times, pro- pro- proclaiming the gospel, people go, I don't want to hear that. I share the story every now and then. When we go camping, we always go to the uh, the farmer's market there in uh, uh, in Arcata in the town square on Saturday morning. They have a great farmer's market and a co-op and all these people come together. And there, there's a company there called Henry's Olive Oil and I, they have the best taste in olive oil, just the sweetest stuff. So I always buy a couple of bottles and a couple of years ago the guy was there and I was buying some bottles and, and I said, thank you, that's awesome. I grabbed his hand and while I, every now and then when I have a hold of somebody's hand. When you got to hold their hand, they can't move. I had a hold of his hand and I was and, and I guy. hey, Thank you, your olive oil is great. Has anybody ever told you that God so loved you that he gave his only son? He goes, no! I said, okay, he loves you anyway. But, I mean, he was the first person that ever had literally jerk their hand away and say, I don't want to hear it. But you know what? God shows his compassion to those who receive it and those who don't. Amen. So what do you do? Shake another hand. Shake another hand. Shake a hand next to you. Shake another hand. How many remember that song? All right, you're all old. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Rub another neck. Well, it used to get weird in church. Amen. So watch it? So what? On the final night of of Christ's life, when Jesus made his final attempt, get this. Jesus was making... John chapter 13 is the last night of Jesus' life with his disciples. The very last time... That he is in fellowship with them collectively together. Look at what he's doing and look at what he's trying to impart into their understanding. Think about that. This is his final attempt to get their core, to get the core of his entire message across to his disciples. Jesus arose and washed their feet. Think about it. Their thoughts were only attuned to who would be the greatest who would sit the closest, who would be honored the highest, as they were consumed with aspirations of prestige, privilege, and pride, for they had been listening to him speak on the coming of his kingdom and the end of the age. Oh, we're following the Messiah. He's king. When he takes his place, we're going to get all these positions of promotion. We're going to be these great leaders. And, blah, blah. and they had all these dreams of aspiration. And Jesus goes, let me show you how it works. Let me just come down here and wash your ugly feet. Amen. Let let me show you the the position that I am giving to you. Look inside your outline. You see, the act of washing the disciples' feet demolishes the entire notion of status and privilege. Amen. We we live in such a, 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 a status society in that. The kingdom has nothing to do with that. It invalidates any consideration of greatness. It turns around the question about who will admire me and serve me and meet my needs. Instead it asks, who must I acknowledge and how can I meet their needs? It turns what is in it for me to what do I have to offer others. That's the gospel. Listen what Paul said. Paul says, I've been poured out as a drink offering. My life is spent. That's the gospel. Spending and giving our lives for God. You see, it was Christ's final attempt to, re- to refocus their attention to the true meaning of the kingdom and his purpose being passed on to them. What is that? Loving people from a living well of compassion. What does God call us to do? To love people from a living well of compassion of His life flowing through us. And it would be that well of compassion that would flow through them. Go with me in your Bible to John chapter 7. Just turn back a couple pages. John chapter 7 and verse 37. Jesus is in Jerusalem at the time of the feast. And it says, On the last day, that great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Wow. What did he say to the woman at the well? If you knew the gift of God and who it is who's talking to you, you would have asked of me living water and I would have given it to you. Look at what Jesus is saying. I'm here for you. I'm here giving my life. Every time he... Declared himself to somebody. It was in that same way that he is here being poured out for them. But he said, he stood and cried out. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Something happens when we allow the love of God to begin to flow out of our heart. To bring refreshing to those who. Around it, think about that. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The reason God has given us His Spirit, filled us with the Spirit, anointed it with the Spirit, so that we can be living wells of compassion in our world. The only problem is, it's just like the disciples, our mind has to go through a paradigm shift. We have to go from being consumers to being givers. We have to go from position seekers to feet searchers. Amen. That never gets an amen when I say that, but that's why I say it myself. Praise the Lord. So look at so what is he doing? He's declaring. Let me just say this to you. When you go to a well, you don't have to refresh the well. The well is there to refresh you. The well is already refreshed. When you go to a river, you go out here to the American River in the summer, and it's hot, and you dive in, in, in the river. The river doesn't go, oh, wait, before you jump in, I need to get refreshed. The river is the refreshing. The refreshing. You are the refreshing. You are the well. If it ever goes off in you, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Spirit of God. His life lives on the inside of me. I'm full of everything God has for my life. I don't need to get. I have to give. When I understand that, I go from being a needy person to be a person that is a well of compassion flowing to others. Hallelujah. So what is peripheral compassion? What does that mean for us moving forward? It means to see through the eyes of compassion. Jesus saw things others paid no attention to. And offered, a miraculous, offered miraculous answers to questions no one else even knew how to ask. Think about what the Lord does. In Mark chapter 3, we won't read these, but you could do some homework and read these. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Jesus is aware of a man in church with a withered hand in the midst of a worship service, and he wasn't willing to leave him that way. Let me ask you that. What would happen if we started seeking God and we're praying in our personal prayer time to be following the Lord? Instead of just praying for God to meet another need in your life. If I could ever get you off of your needs. Get you from being a needy Christian to being a Christian that believes in the full supply of God in your life. And the way you release that supply is ministering to the needs of others. When you release what God has put in you to flow to somebody else, you release the provision of heaven to flow into your life. And there's always more than enough left over. Glory to God. And so what happened, he sees that and we begin to pray, God, that when I see a need, don't we just let me move on. Don't me allow that to stay? God, I want to have something stirred on the inside of me. I want to be able to do something about it. I want to make a difference. Amen. You see, healing flows to the man from Jesus' well of compassion. Jesus seen a man with a withered hand, he says, and he knows it's going to create an uproar. He knows he's going to be judged by the people. He knows he's going to tell him he shouldn't be doing that stuff on Sunday or Saturday. Amen. There's seven days to work. Blah blah. All the stupid stuff. Amen. But he does it anyway because his heart is for the need. He has a well of compassion. For that person's need. In John chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, you see, even in a multitude of need, his eyes are upon the one who has no way to help himself. In John chapter 5, it's to people sitting by the pool of Bethesda. Think about, it. you know, we get some squirrely ideas in church. We get all kinds of different things the way God look at pe- people have been so moved off of the truth of God's word that they're sitting around a pool of water. Waiting for an angel to come down in trouble when they already had covenant provision to receive every answer. In the covenant with God, the Bible says healing is the children's bread. They have covenant. When Jesus healed the lepers, he said go offer the sacrifice shown in Moses. If you had leprosy, you went and offered a sacrifice and then you stayed out of the camp for seven days. At the end of seven days, you were cleansed. You come back and you worship God because you've been healed of leprosy. There shouldn't have been lepers in Israel. There should have been people sick. There should have been all those things. Listen to what Jesus said. With the women bound in Luke 13, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years. Yeah. So tradition has crept in. So these people are sitting around the pool of Siloam. I've been there in, in, in Jerusalem where that is. And they're sitting there. And they're waiting for an angel to come down and, and, and trouble the water so they can shove everybody out of the way and be the first one to get in. Because only the first one to get in gets it. And this guy can't even get himself in. He can't, even, he can't even flounder over there. Amen. And so Jesus said, do, do you want to be healed? This is what he said. I, I can't. I have nobody to put me in. I don't have anybody to put me in. I can't. And Jesus said, I didn't have you want somebody to put you in. I you wanted to get healed. I'm talking about this stupid stuff going on. I want to know, do you want God to move in your life? Do you want to be touched by the compassion of God? And something happens when we can look at needs like that. But listen, you, you have to get saved in your own mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That what God said that he has put on the inside of you. His life, his power, his anointing. It is the anointing that lifts the burden and breaks the yoke. God doesn't ask you to do us by our own ability. We continually disqualify ourselves because we think we're the one that's providing the answer. It's his power. It's his anointing walking through me. All he asks you to do is to be the conduit that allows his power to flow to those around us. Could you shout amen this morning? So he says to the man. Do you want to be healed? But his eyes are upon the one who can't help himself. Unless someone intervenes on his behalf, he really has no hope. And so his compassion asks not only the question, but also provides the answer from that same well. Think about it. In Luke 7, verses 11 through 17, walking through the city of Nain, he notices what no one else does in the funeral procession. What does Jesus notice? This widow without her son has no means of provision and security and would probably even be kicked out of her village. So move with compassion, he tells her. Don't cry. And from that same well of compassion, he raises her son to life and presents him to his mother, an act that restored her hope and her future. Wow. What does God want to do to your life? The exact same thing. Jesus said, he that believes on me and the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father who is in heaven. And if I go to my Father, that means I'm glorified. And if I'm glorified by the Father then that means he will pour out the promise of the Holy Spirit upon all of you. And I will no longer be the one man anointed. You will all be men and women anointed with The power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, I don't know. I believe. Well, that's all right. Praise the Lord. We'll just leave you at the pool. Wait and kick some other poor guy out of the way. Praise the Lord. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 38, a great story. They're walking by the road. Blind man sitting there begging. The disciples asked Jesus, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus says, neither, but that the works of God might be manifest in him. He spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it in the man's eyes, and says, go wash. How many know he didn't have to say, go wash? Somebody spits, put mud in my eyes, I'm going to go wash. Amen. Oh, thank God. I think I'll leave that right there. It's kind of like I'd have wrinkles. I think that'll help with my bags under my. No. Go wash. Go <laughs> wash. And he goes and washes and he comes back seen. Comes back seen. But that the works of God. But see, quibble, they, they, the equivalent, The connection is sin and sickness. Whose sin that he has this consequence? Remember what Jesus said to the man paralyzed on the bed? So that you may know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. He says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And so redemption is greater than sickness and disease. Amen? Than sin. Redemption brings the answer to the consequences of sin, which is healing. Praise the Lord. So to the blind man by the road, the well flows again. Hear me this morning. Jesus lived his life seeking opportunities to turn his love for people into action. You know what? I'm preaching to myself because I'm crazy busy lately. Amen. As your pastor, I'm bivocational right now, running our building program, trying to pastor the church, doing all these things, and everything else that's going on, doing I mean just everything I'm crazy. So finding time to stop and be moved with compassion to a need means I have to lose the excuse of too busy. And and, and my devotional time, my prayer time, has to be directed towards God. Give me that heart of compassion for those around me. Don't let me use the excuse of I'm too busy. I'm doing this. You know what? Even though I'm too busy. how, How many have checkout times besides me? Sometime during the day you're just done and you check out. Amen. Guys do that a lot easier than women. Just saying. It's like Mark Gunger says, we can go to our nothing box e- immediately. That box where your wife looks at you and says, what are you thinking about? And we just say, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and it frustrates the dickens out of you guys. Because you guys are thinking about everything all the time. <laughs> Amen. And so we just, how can you check out? You just go. <laughs> we, we just have that switch. It just turns off. It's awesome. Amen. That's the one part God didn't take out and give to you, and we are so thankful. Amen. (laughs) He left us with that one cool part. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So what? (laughs) So what did he do? He sought ways to turn his love towards people into action. Please note that neither this woman nor these men had crawled to the feet of Jesus. None of these areas we read about were people crawling to Jesus, begging for help. It was him seeing the need and moving towards him with compassion. To Jesus, these were divine appointments. Think about that. He reached out to meet their needs. So I want you to think about it. We we hear the two greatest commandments, love God and love people. Love God and love people. I put it like this. If you don't love people, then your love for God is questionable. It doesn't say love people who love you and love God and treat you not. Love God and love people regardless of how they respond to you. John chapter 1 says, Jesus came into his own and they received him not. Every time Jesus preached in the synagogue, they plotted to kill him. Every time. They tried to throw him off a the cliff. They plotted, they, there was a plot behind the scenes, his whole ministry, on how to get rid of him. How to trip him up? How to work against him? But he kept loving them and giving himself for them. Think about it. You see, there are those who did not come to him and make a request for his intervention into their need, but a majority of the time, he was simply moved with compassion, and their requests were made because of what they had heard about him doing for others. In Mark chapter 14, in Matthew fourteen. And in John 16 is Jesus feeding the multitude and says, Seeing the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And he healed them all. Not because they were questioning, because he was moved with compassion. When we have that heart of God, it moves us with compassion to do something about it. He was mostly moved with compassion for their needs of those he was sent to save. So the question is, how many and how much does it take to provide an answer to the needs of, Of others through compassion. And I believe that God's shifting our church to be a church of peripheral compassion. I believe the reason he's expanding our borders is that we can begin to touch our communities in ways we never thought possible before. So here's the shock and awe of total transformation. It is this. The Bible says, oh yes, I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. I want to be transformed into his image. I want the Holy Spirit to do his work. Okay, here we go. If I name his name in my identity, then I must take upon myself his nature and character as well. If I, if, see, when I say I'm a Christian, I'm naming the name of Christ as my identity. And if I name his name, then I must also accept his identity. And his identity is if I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, I'm showing you Your identity. Your identity is not a position. Your identity is to be the servant and the slave of all. You see, the disciples, soon to be the apostles, had no problem following him, being identified with him, and becoming like him. But becoming like him was beyond their comprehension. In the very beginning, he had told them that if they would follow him, that he would transform them into what they were not. You see, they had fish with net, but he would teach them to fish for men with acts of compassion from the living well within them. The servant life of Jesus symbolized so succinctly in the act of foot washing reveals to us what deep spiritual transformation looks like. Think about it. Peter's horrified. Not so, Lord. You can't wash my feet. Just a thought of of, of that position. Follow with me this morning. It shows how radical that transformation really is and why they had not gotten it yet. What Jesus did, if you don't, and many times we miss it in the Bible because we don't understand the culture that it's spoken to and that it's written in. And we think about it with an American mindset. I'll just help you a little bit. The American mindset is nowhere in this book. The mindset of our culture and our day cannot be found in this book. If you want to talk about cancel culture, this is the original cancel culture illustration. Are you doing all right? So watch this. It's so radical to them. The call of servanthood is far deeper than simply being helpful or kind. We are called to disregard all of our aspirations for prestige and privilege. We are to find life's meaning in the service of God, of our community, and in the web of life. Wow. These were, dis- these were the disciples were stuck. This is where the disciples were stuck, and so are we. Go to Philippians chapter 2 with me. Can we just get stuck here? Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, look at Paul says. Fill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each one esteem others better than himself. Look what Jesus did. Jesus got down and esteemed his, the, the Lord of glory. If I, <coughs> your teacher and your Lord, am washing your feet, I'm esteeming you higher than myself. Wow. Esteem others better than himself. Verse 4. Let each of you look out not only... For his own interests, but also for the interests of others. What is Paul saying? Have peripheral compassion. Out of your time. To just we are, we are all busy. Amen. But we're never too busy to let that well of compassion flow and bring refreshing to somebody around us. Could you say amen? Think about this. So look what Paul said. Here it is. Somebody say let. So the reason the word let is there, because it only happens if you let it happen. Yeah. You, have to, you have to let the, this. Isn't God's not going to make you do this. This only happens when you let this happen, when you desire for this to happen, and you seek for this to happen. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. What does he say? Who being in the form of God. Did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Understanding his identity. I and my father are one. So knowing who you are in Christ, you are a child of God. You are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But that's not a badge of puffiness. That's just that's the identity of who we are in him. So he didn't consider it robbery, but watch. But made himself of what? Of what? No reputation. He can go around saying, I'm somebody, or need to be somebody. Taking the form of a servant. Coming in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. And became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. Washing your feet. This is easy. But I'm not stopping there. I'm actually going to take. All of your sin. And all of your transgression. Upon myself. And I'm going, to allow, I'm going to allow myself to be the price of your redemption. I'm going to allow myself for your benefit to be nailed to a cross. I will serve you in life and I will serve you through my death. I love you. That's what God said to us. The one thing that church does for us when we come together and the ministries we have going on around here, whether it's helping families in the church, what do we do when we serve in children's ministry? We train ourselves to be servants. I have an opportunity to serve, and so I have an opportunity to minister to people's children so they can be in here and be ministered to by God. And so I sow into them, but I, I'm conditioning myself to have a heart and an attitude of a service. But what happens to us today? We're just too busy to do the little things. Well, I would greet, I would do that. But they're just little things, but, but they're conditioning things. I, I want to do the things and use the opportunities to start to train myself to be conditioned, to be a servant. You know, people give me a bad time because I never work out at the Lord's gym. And I tell them if I wanted a gym, I would just join one. I wouldn't build one. I didn't build it for me. i built build it for people to go there and to be, a blessed, to, to be a seed into our community for the outreach of our youth, of our community, because our kids were on the streets and had no place to go. And everybody wanted them off the streets, but nobody wanted to invest in them. I said, well, we'll do that. We'll give our kids a place to go. But if I was to go to the gym. Amen. God bless you. Amen. (laughs) I'm here Monday through Friday. Come over across the street. Amen. We'll tote that barge, lift that bale. Amen. Anyway, but in dealing with that, if I was to go there, the purpose of going to the gym and conditioning myself and exercising, using all the different equipment that's developed is to condition myself to be strong in life. So I'm conditioning myself. Are you listening to me? When we come to church and we do that, taking advantage of serving in a different area, I'm conditioning myself so I go out in life. I've trained myself. i condition conditioned myself to be a servant in life. So when I come across, I serve. Servant is what I naturally do. And so I've conditioned myself in servanthood. Praise the Lord. So Jesus became obedient unto death. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So think about that. If this mind, heart, and attitude, and way of life ever truly got in us, it would totally transform everything in our lives. Our marriages, our jobs, our homes, our churches would never be the same. Wow. Think about it. The Jesus who picked up the basin and towel to wash the feet of his disciples is rebuking every way in which we accept inequality, And every way in which we live with the assumption of privilege. For those of us who live within the luxury of dominance of the modern consumer class, our entire way of living is being challenged by his actions. America is a consumer culture. Our economy is based on the consumer index on how much we are consuming of product and different things. That's a big part of our of, of our how we look at things. So let me ask you this. What do people expect the church to be and to provide? I think the church ought to this. I think the church ought of Consumers. Years ago, Brotherhood, our pastor was living with Dave and Patty and, and a group of young men there talking all about the church and going on and on and on. And Brotherhood, he would just he, he'd just sit in the, the living room there and he'd nap. Kind of like me, Anytime I sit down, i nap real quick. And uh, so he was sitting there in the living room. They're talking about what's wrong with the church, all these young preachers. They're talking about a handful of them, Dave sitting there, and Brotherhood just sitting there. And everybody thought he was asleep, when not paying attention. And, wow, what's wrong with the church? What's wrong with the church? Brotherhood he goes, Consumers. <laughs> It was awesome. Amen. Consumer. But what has our culture taught you? I think the church ought to have this, it ought to have that, it ought to have that. And so, but what is, look, whatever the church is supposed to have, how much are you a part of making that happen? Because if I'm not invested in making that happen, I'm not a provider, I'm a consumer. And, and my well of compassion isn't flowing. I'm taking and I'm in that position of need. So God does something amazing for us when we move out of that. And God always challenges us in this thought process. Let me finish this up this morning. Jesus said this, do you know what I have done to you? Do you know what I've done to you? Watch this. To know their culture, their way of life, and the conditions surrounding this act would help to illuminate our understanding of this event as well. This, is one, this one act of Christ was so radical to their way of thinking, just as it is to our t- today, that few can even comprehend it. Think about it. This act is mentioned as far back as Genesis 18, when the Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebinth tree in Mamre on the way to judge Sodom, and Gomorrah. Think about it. Abraham sent a servant to fetch water to wash their feet and be refreshed. Other references are in Genesis 19, Genesis 24, and Genesis 43, where Joseph's servant provides water for his family to wash their feet. 1 Samuel 25, 41, Abigail declares that she would come not as a wife, but as a servant to fetch water and to wash the feet of the servant, or come as a servant of servants. Amen. Say, Pastor, what are you preaching on? I'm preaching on how to be great in the kingdom of God how to be great in the kingdom of God and how our church is going to change our community. You see, in the case of ordinary people, the host furnished the water and the guests washed their own feet. In richer houses, washing was done by a slave and was looked upon as the lowliest of all services. Try to imagine the context of this event. People of this time wore sandals. The streets were filled with animal dung and urine, various kinds of rotting garbage, and the dust and dirt of unpaved streets. Everybody had dirty feet. Everybody. Nobody wore socks and shoes. Everybody had sandals, just something on the sole of their feet. Everybody's feet were very dirty. And so if you just went into a normal house, they would have a basin where you could wash your feet. But the servant's basin was something totally different. And Jesus wasn't content just to let them take care of themselves. But look at what he was doing in taking the place of the servant, the lowliest position that could be taken. You see, when entering a home, a person with manners would remove their sandals and wash their feet. In cases of incredible hospitality, a servant or a member of the household would perform the task. It's hard to think of a routine activity in our day that is at once so intimate and demeaning without being overly gross. Yet Jesus, our teacher and Lord, is doing this for them. This would not be something you would routinely expect as a guest. A request of a friend as a favor. You wouldn't go into somebody's house and just expect to have your feet washed. Or ask a friend to do it for you as a favor. You would only give instruction for it to be done from a position of authority. How many know Jesus held the position of authority to say to any one of his disciples, you be the foot washer. You minister to your brothers today. You take that position today. You serve over here. If anybody had the authority to speak from a position of authority, it was him. He didn't speak from authority. He served. Wow. You would say, our guests have arrived, Wash their feet, then clean out the stable. Let me know when you're done. You see, those daily dynamics of power and servility are outside of our scope, the scope of most of our experience, yet Jesus voluntarily assumed the lowest position possible to set the example for us to follow. I know this is probably sideways to most of our Christianity today. Because we live in a bless me culture. We sing more about what Jesus has done for us than what we will do for him. We need to... Yeah. Which is fine. I love declaring and remember what he's done. But the other side, once I know what he's done, now what will I do in response for him? Amen? So think about it. Look at this. His disciples were bickering amongst themselves about who was greatest. After three and a half years of teaching, they still had not let go of their pride. So Jesus slammed home his message in a way they would not forget. The last night with them. He didn't tell them the glories of heaven. He didn't tell them what was coming. He didn't reveal any of the hidden thing, the deep, dark thing. He did not give them a heavy reve. <laughs> he didn't show them all the things that he showed Paul. Paul said, I know a man caught up into the heaven and saw things that he can't even talk about and the glories and everything else. They got to see none of that. He said, what's this? This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. Bring yourself down. Bring yourself down from your thought, your imagination, your position. And take upon yourself the form of a servant. Fill the basin with the living water that I've provided for you. Make yourself a well of refreshing. And then go find yourself at somebody's feet. Avoid the second bowl. Of washing your hands of people well I've served I've done my time you don't know what they did to me I tried they didn't receive me so I'm done I'll just wash my hands and go on about my own Christian life I'm just taking care of me and my family right now I hope everything works out you know I've been whatever good preaching right there huh The bowl of the servant or the bowl of washing our hands of people. You know what the devil says? The devil always tells you to go here. The devil always gives you every reason. The devil will bombard you with all the reasons you need. You can have a stack this high of justification for washing your hands of people. Washing your hands of serving. Washing your hands from being involved. You, you just—he just is an amazing provider of excuses. But every excuse, old saying, there are lots of reasons. Turned around, he gives you all the reasons you need. But a reason is never a supple- an excuse is never a supplement for a reason to do right. Amen. Hallelujah. So watch this we close if bill i'll just have you come back this morning just to play the guys if the musicians want to come i always ask the whole team to come back and i never let them sing you guys can come back and play i believe god wants to transform our church so i believe our world is looking for the compassion of god i believe our world right now today if they need to see anything they need to see the compassion of god they need to see God displayed. Amen. They need to be touched by our wells of compassion. So think about it. This is where they were. They were in a rented or borrowed facility. There would be no servant supplied there. They had been sent by the Lord to make preparation for this meal. Everything needed for washing was there. Jesus didn't go get the stuff. Everything was there. Prepared. All that was missing was a volunteer. All that was missing was a volunteer. In any ministry. You know the only thing min- missing to any ministry? The volunteer. In anything we do. I don't know what you mean in the house. But any outreach we want to do. Anything you want to do. Any ministry to take place anywhere in the world. The only thing missing to ministry happening is a volunteer. Who would it be? Whoever decided to stoop and pick up the towel would be admitting he was the least rank, proving that he held the status or the opinion of himself as less than the best. To do that, you're admitting to everybody else, you guys are greater than me. I'm lowering down. I'm less than the best because I'm stooping to wash your feet. The only one secure enough in his identity was the Lord of glory. Wow. Our thought of what will people think of me if I do that. When you get secure in who you are in Christ, it doesn't matter what people think about you. Only Him. Hallelujah. So good. Jesus, conscious of His divine dignity, And against Peter's protest, performed for them this lowliest service. You see, foot washing was an act that took away all the washer's dignity and status. And the only one ready was Jesus. I believe God is changing our church to be ready. To be inconvenienced. To make a demand on our time. Because our world needs to see Him. Needs to be touched by Him. We have to come to the place where we can put away competition and pride. If we really want to understand the gospel and desire to be truly great, we must get used to being a servant. Only from this posture of of a servant will we develop the peripheral compassion needed to touch our world with the love and compassion of Christ. By following His example, Without it, we are blind and missing our season of opportunity and times of purpose to touch and reach our world for Christ. Here's my challenge. I challenge you to pray this prayer. Father, forgive me of my pride. Give me eyes to see, a heart to feel, and hands that will reach out to touch and heal. Let your well of compassion flow from my life as a servant of servants. What if we prayed that every day? Yeah, thank God for meeting your needs. Pray that. Give me this day my daily bread. Thank you. I got it. I'm good to go. Now, make me a servant of servants to touch somebody. This is where we are. We are currently living in a time where people's lives and livelihoods have been and are being completely turned upside down. Think about the brokenness and despair when you look. They are not hard to find. Think of all the anger and animosity that fills the air and the conversations of our day. And you and I have been giving living wells of compassion to bring refreshing to their life. If we will only allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see with the same peripheral compassion that Jesus had then we too would find our ways to their feet and touch our world. Would you stand with me this morning? Maybe you're here today. People say, Pastor, what's your vision? I, I'm, I'm not a great guy at writing out vision and doing that. As I was seeking the Lord for this year, this is just all that God told me that he's going to make us a church of peripheral compassion in a way that we've never been before. Amen. The reason, like I said, the reason we have a Lord's Gym is because that was the need in our community. I sat on a board with a whole group of leaders in, in the county, and they were all complaining because years ago, back before we built the Lord's Gym, all of, our, all of our young people were hanging out around the bell tower downtown. And all the business go, we don't like the kids hanging out around there. So where are they supposed to go? Well, they need to go someplace. well make a place for them to go Oh, we, that, that would cost money well so we said we could do that we could create a place we could give young people a safe place to be amen and so you're moved towards that need and so that compassion moved us and God has sustained us through all these years to keep it going even in this year well, even in this year with the financial demand look at what God did and we keep it and we still got oh man Come on, if God will do that in the church, he does that in your life the same way. If you can be moved, God does the same thing through your life, but you have to move into that realm. Say, God, uh, you can move in my heart. God, you'll do it through me. Maybe you're here today. My question is, how's your relationship with God? Maybe you don't know Christ as your savior. Just bow your heads with me just for a moment. If you don't know Christ as your savior, His compassion is here for you today. The heart of God is to forgive and to restore you. You're listening to this this message today, and you're saying, I'm the one that's broken. I'm the one that's hurt. I'm the one that's in need. If you'll say yes to God, He will heal your broken heart restore you and give his life to you he'll take your brokenness he'll take your shame he'll take your pain he's here to wash your feet he's here to cleanse your life he's here to give you wholeness all you have to do is allow him to serve you his life today and accept him as your lord and savior maybe you're here today and you've received his forgiveness in your life but today you know that you need to recommit your life to God, get back in that commitment in life and your dedication and serve with Him, a right relationship with Him. You could do that right now. Maybe you're here today and you know you need a touch from God and you're just willing to say, God, I'm, I'm plugging back in. I'm getting in. I'm losing all the excuses. Father, forgive me of washing my hands of people. Forgive me for stepping away. Forgive me for being too busy. Forgive me for all of my excuses. I really have no reason. God, I'm losing the excuse and I'm stepping back up in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you need a healing touch from God. You need somebody just to touch, anoint you with oil and pray for you and lay hands on you by the prayer of faith for you to be healed. If you need an answer from God, if you need to make a commitment to God in any one of those areas while they're playing, would you just move to this altar right now? In Jesus' name, we want to pray for you. Any area of your life where you need prayer, you need commitment, you need to make dedication to God, whatever it may be, just respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. This is your chance to respond to God moving in your life. While they're playing right now, we're just going to wait for just a moment. Hallelujah.